Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. We had read in the King's books mostly about wicked kings who had led Israel away to sin, and that resulted in God having to have the people of Judah dragged away off into captivity by the Babylonians. But I want to know what happens after that. Did they Do they come back? Well, of course they do, but how did that happen? So I got to reading in the book of Ezra. I wanted to find out what happened for their return. And I started kind of dozing off when I laid down with my iPad, got into Ezra chapter 1, And I ended up reading the entire book of Ezra before I fell asleep because it showed how the Lord worked to bring his people back again. And it's such a great book. God is a restorer. That's something we need to recognize about our God. He loves his people. He has to judge his people for their sin, but he'll bring them back if they got right with them. So he chose to call his people back to their own land again. And one of the reasons why he chose to bring them back is because God has a lot of covenant promise, particularly with that tribe of Judah. Judah just got dragged away, so there's covenant, the Davidic covenant in particular, that God has to fulfill with the people of Judah, so he has to bring them back, and that's why he did it. But God is not going to work with a bunch of troublemakers. So after I read through the book of Ezra, I found it to be kind of like, I guess, if I could call it this, the sequel to First and Second Kings, the answer to what happened to them next. I need to see how God restored them again, because I know God's a healer. He had to bring them back, but he was only going to bring them back after the people first got humbled down. Same way with me. I got right with the Lord Jesus, but I had to get humbled down first. So before we start in chapter one, I want to show you some key verses that I found through the book of Ezra. I kind of want to give you the movie trailer, so to speak, the foreshadowing of what's coming soon to a radio broadcast near you. (laughs) So uh, remember how throughout the book of Kings, how the people just refuse to obey God. They just never seem to, you know, get it. You remember when a new king took the throne, it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord, just like his dad did before him. I, I was getting very irritated. Why do you not seem to get it? Thick skull syndrome, right? Well, I want to show you Ezra 5 verse 12. There's an admission here that says, but because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and carried the people away to Babylon. So check that out. They get it now. They understand now what they did wrong, but it took captivity to get them to see this. It took a long captivity to finally understand the things they didn't understand before. But they they know it now. Now they're getting it. 
And it's just like King Jehoiakim. If you remember at the the last chapter of Second Kings, King Jehoiakim was a wicked king, but it took him a whole 37 years to humble him down before he could finally see the problem. The problem is we messed up, and that made God angry, and he had to do something about it. Judah finally gets it now. And, and you know that it took a long time for even you and I to finally realize our own sin before we finally gave our lives over to Jesus, right? So I want you to understand that you and I are in this story as well. Don't just point at the people of Judah. We're the same way with God. Thankfully, the Lord God has been patient with us like he was with the people of Judah. So I'm glad the people finally understand why they got dragged off in captivity. So now I want you to hear Ezra 8 verse 21 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us. Wow, humble ourselves, it says. First, they were humbled against their will. They were humbled by force, by God's wrath against their sin, and they were dragged away from their homes, and they were made captive. You know, nobody ever wants to be treated like that. But they were humbled heavily by God for their mess. But now, now that they get it, they proclaimed, let us humble ourselves. This is so fantastic to see this. You see, after being put through the ringer, they understood that it's better to get down low before God willingly of their own choice rather than to try to stand tall before God and shake their fist at him and say, I refuse to do what you command and be humbled by God. See, it's better to humble yourself than to have God do it for you. <laughs> you know, I'm glad he gives us the choice that we can humble ourselves if we would just decide to do it, if we would get it. Now, I want to give you one more spoiler. I want you to get excited about the book of Ezra is why I'm doing this, because this next verse is going to tear you in half, okay? Ezra 9 verse 13 says, You, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this. Wow. Friends, of all the years that Judah didn't get it, but finally here they admitted that they should have been punished a whole lot worse than what they were. They realized the sins we'd committed, and for God to still want to bring us back home again? What a deliverance such as this. Friends, are you getting excited about the book of Ezra yet? I hope so. I think you can see why I wasn't able to sleep the other night while I was trying to read this. So, you know, we have sinned greatly against God. It provoked his wrath, and therefore it turned us over to a lot of trial, a lot of difficulty. But then when we finally get it and we repent and come back to God and say, God, you take over. I can't do this anymore. Then we realize the trial we went through, we really did deserve more for the sin we have committed. So isn't this great? So I think after reading First and Second Kings, having just gone through it recently, we're now perfectly positioned to jump right into Ezra chapter 1. Now, if you remember Second Kings, it talks about how the people were deported. They were taken away by three waves of enemy attacks. Now, it's also going to take three waves to bring them all back home again. So the first return is going to be done by a man named Zerubbabel. Now, I know that's kind of a funny name, Zerubbabel. It's, it's like a, that chainsaw that you try to crank up that just won't start, and you're trying to fight it and pull on the chain. It won't start. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel. That will help you remember that, man. Okay. 
Zerubbabel, quit you laughing. Let's get serious. Zerubbabel is the guy that was going to come to rebuild the temple again. That's up front. That's the priority. The first thing is to rebuild the temple. And then the second wave of the people coming back, Ezra, he was a scribe and a priest. He was sent back to teach the people how to get back under covenant with the Lord again. We need to get back under covenant. How do we do it? It's going to take a priest scribe named Ezra to do that. And the third wave of return for the people, that was going to be led by Nehemiah. He's the guy that rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem so that it could be defended from enemy attack. So that's the three waves of the people returning. It's also good to know that the book of Esther, that occurs between the events of Ezra chapter 6 and 7, because now they're dealing with the Persian Empire. Babylon isn't the big boy anymore. Ezra and Esther, if you remember, they they both had to deal with the Persian Empire, so this is at the same time in history. And this era is such a significant time in history that it gets its own nickname. It's called the post-exilic period, unless I said it wrong with my Texan tongue, post-exilic, I don't know, means after their exile. So we've got a ton of Bible history slamming into each other right here in one point in history. Now, the primary purpose of the book of Ezra was to show the people of Israel that even though they had sinned, their God still wanted a relationship with them. And friends, this is a very important book for us because you know what? I know you're thinking about the sins that you've committed, all the things that you've done wrong. And did you know that the Lord God still wants a relationship with you? God still wanted a relationship with the people of Judah. And God is one who keeps his covenant promises, even though Judah messed up. Friends, even though you messed up, God still wants to reconcile. He still wants to restore you and have relationship with you. So keep that in mind as we read through Ezra chapter 1 and now verse 1, the end of the Babylonian captivity. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Okay, this is going to be the title of my uh, chapter here. It's going to be Ezra chapter 1, Royal Proclamation. Okay, so Judah's deportation to captivity, that was enacted because God stirred up the spirit of King Nebuchadnezzar back in 2 Kings. But now after humility had finally set into the people of Judah, God now stirred up the spirit of another king, King Cyrus, to bring him back. Okay, God knows how to use even kings to serve his will. He stirs up who he wants to get him to do what he wants him to. So King Cyrus ruled over the Persian Empire, it says. Okay, now you got to remember, we had been dealing with the kingdom of Babylon. They were the ones that came in and dragged everybody off. What happened to Babylon? And again, I had said how the book of Esther takes place at the same time as Ezra, and remember Esther and Mordecai, they had to deal with the Persian Empire, not the Babylonians. Apparently, Babylon's not the big superpower that they used to be anymore, okay? So King Cyrus of Persia, he rose up in power, and he actually conquered those unbeatable Babylonians. He conquered them in 539 B.C., So now Babylon is part of the Persian Empire, okay? These kingdoms just get bigger and bigger all the time, right? But now the even bigger empire is sending the people of Judah back. But you can see how God can manipulate not just kings. 
but he, he can also manipulate kingdoms, entire kingdoms, to position them to do work on a global scale, however God sees fit. God uses what he wants. The earth is, it belongs to God and everything in it. He does what he wants for his purpose. So Babylon, they had their day of bringing the Israelites out, and that's over. And so now a new kingdom is here to send the Israelites back in, back into the land of Judah. Father God is Lord over all. And aren't you glad? <laughs> now, King Cyrus, he may have had his own personal reasons for wanting to send the Israelites back home. But what Cyrus, I think, was doing, he was trying to establish what's called buffer states all around his kingdom. What is a buffer state? That is where you set up a kingdom on the edge of your own. So the Persian Empire reached only so far, so you put a buffer state out there. You put another kingdom on your border of your own kingdom. And the idea here is to set up multiple kingdoms around as buffer states because you figure if they're going to be loyal to the king of Persia, then that, in effect, would extend his own empire even further. So it says that Cyrus was stirred in his spirit by the Lord to make this big international proclamation to send the people back to Judah, to send the Israelites back home. And that was part of his strategy to, in Cyrus's mind to set up a buffer state. But this, it said, as we read, this would actually become the fulfillment of what the Lord God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, you're going to send these people back. And then that was a prophecy that Cyrus was going to fulfill, even though Cyrus may have only seen this as a buffer state. But this is exciting. This is how the Lord God uses kings and kingdoms to do his will, what he wants. So here's what was proclaimed in Cyrus's proclamation in writing. Ezra 1 verse 2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. So Cyrus is saying, okay, the God of Jerusalem, he's the God over there. Who belongs to him? Whoever you are, you get to go back. Okay, go back to Judah and build a house for that God of yours in, in Jerusalem. So now God moved a king in the past to take the Israelites captive, but now God is moving a different king here to set them free. God has complete control over everything and everyone, including the mightiest rulers that ever lived, including today. So Cyrus said that the Lord God of heaven told him to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is the guy that had it burned to the ground, but now it's going to be rebuilt. Here comes the temple again to be rebuilt after it was destroyed so that the Israelites could get back to worshiping their God again. Now, what's interesting about this king's decree here is that when he made this proclamation, and he, it says he put it in writing, what exactly does that mean? That means it was to be filed within the public records of various nations all around the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire was huge. It's the same as today. Whenever you pass a law, it gets written into a public record so that it can't be lost, it can't be forgotten about, it can't be done away with. It's on the record everywhere. And so it's a good thing that Cyrus issued this return for the people of Judah as an official royal proclamation because we're going to find out later in Ezra chapter 6 that there's a king of Persia 
He didn't get the memo, sort of speak. He said, well, wait, what's this about everybody rebuilding the temple? I, I don't know anything about that. He's going to have people look it up. The whole thing was forgotten about. So he said, go look it up. Now, I want to show you where he commanded them to go look it up. In Ezra chapter 6 and verse 1 says, then King Darius issued a decree and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. And at Akmetha, blah, I can't talk. And at Akmetha, again, there's my Texan tongue. In the place that is in the province of Medea, a scroll was found, and in it a book was written thus In the first year of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem let the house be rebuilt, the place where they offered sacrifices. Okay. So check this out. This is a profound thing for us to take attention to. God commanded his temple to be rebuilt, and he was not just going to let it be forgotten about. So I'm glad the Lord stirred it up within King Cyrus to make this temple construction, the rebuild, such a high level of importance that it was enough to be established as a royal proclamation, because now it's going to be put on on the public record all over the land. So later, when they forgot about it, when they searched for this proclamation, they found it filed in two different places, as we read. It says one record was found in Babylon, and another record of this proclamation was found in Akmetha, the, the word I couldn't say, right? Okay. Both of these records said the exact same thing, to rebuild God's temple. And so that apparently validated God's command to rebuild the temple, even if King Darius didn't feel like supporting it. Friends, whatever God wants to have accomplished, it can't be taken down, it can't be forgotten about, it can't be abandoned, and it can't be reversed. Because when God speaks something, and when he has it written as a royal proclamation, it's going to get done. So let's finish what the proclamation said. Ezra 1 verse 4, And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with good and livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So this is the king commanding that anybody in the Persian Empire that lived near an Israelite, that lived next to someone that needed to go back to Judah, they were required by the command of the king, they were required to financially support that Israelite's return back home. They weren't just ordered to support the temple rebuild only. They were also told, you have got to send your Israelite neighbor back home. You help pay to get them back home. So you got to figure the Israelites, they had been slaves. They had been taken away from their homes. They were poor. They had to leave everything they had behind. And they're broke. They don't have any money. And the Lord knew this. He knew they couldn't afford to make the journey and that rebuild. He, he knew that they had nothing. So. The Lord ordered them to have their journey paid for and the temple paid for. He ordered it through King Cyrus for his people to be given the necessary provisions they needed in order to get back. You remember when God says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. You've been slaves here long enough. It's been the time I said, I'm going to get you out of here, but you're going to plunder the Egyptians. You're going to take from them the gold and silver, everything you need to come back home and you're going to build in the land I'm giving you. God always pays our way. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. So he gave them what they needed to come back home. God wants his people to worship him. 
And so he's willing to pay all the expenses for them at the expense of the Gentiles in this case to get them back into their covenant land. Friends, isn't God so good? He, he didn't make them pay for their sins themselves, and he didn't make them pay for their own way back after they got right with him again. He says, look, you're right with me again. You're humble. This is the way I wanted you a long time ago. Now it's time to come home, and I know you can't afford it. I'll pay that. Isn't God good? He is. Ezra 1 verse 5. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and put it in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, brought them out by the hand of Mithradeth, the treasurer, and counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. This is the number of them. Thirty gold platters, one thousand silver platters, twenty-nine knives, thirty gold basins, four hundred and ten silver basins of a similar kind, and one thousand other articles. All the articles of gold and silver were five thousand four hundred. All these Sheshbazar took with the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. Okay, so the king has got his accountant guys out. They know how to do accounting. They're, they're accounting for all these things that were stolen. So here's all these exiled leaders. They were sent back to rebuild the temple at the expense of their neighbors because they obeyed the king's proclamation. The people didn't have to go back to remake all those temple furnishings that had been stolen back in Second Kings. They were given back what was stolen from the temple in the first place. Friends, this is restoration by God. He knows how to restore what has been taken away. So what had once been taken away? After being humbled, God has the power to give back through a royal proclamation. And this applies to us still even today, because our sin has caused us to break God's law, and sin makes us slaves, just like Judah was made slave to Babylon. But God can restore if you will get right before him. I want to show you what Jesus said in John eight thirty four. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So, thankfully, the people of Judah, they recognized that their sin had provoked God's wrath big time. And so, once they understood that it was all their fault, instead of saying, oh, God, why are you having us deported? How, how can we got to leave our homes? Oh, God, how dare you? How come you don't save us and give us everything we want? No, they realized, wait a minute. This is our fault. They had to go through a hard time of being humble before they finally came to that realization, wait, this is our fault. Once they got that, then they could accept the reason why God had to judge their sin. Now, Romans chapter 2 says that the judgment of God falls upon people rightly. Friends, God never judges anybody wrong. Sometimes he gives us great blessings. Sometimes he gives us trial. And, we, and sometimes we want to praise him. And sometimes we want to shake our fist at him. But every judgment he makes is right. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.